0: This episode of The Outside Podcast is brought to you by the 2021 all-new Ford Bronco Sport. A 4x4 SUV with seven available goat modes that enable it to go over any type of terrain. But some of the most impressive elements are in the interior.
1: My full name is Carrie Kennerly, and I'm a color materials designer at Ford Motor Company. I've been here forever.
0: (laughs) For Carrie, working on the Bronco Sport was a passion project. The chance to bring to life a legendary vehicle for a new generation.
1: I'm born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, so automotive has always been in my family.
0: Okay, so you are like true blue. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Members of Carrie's team went to great lengths to research design elements, camping out with off-road enthusiasts, and interviewing the kind of people that demand the most from their SUVs. The result are features like the available moly straps for securing gear, a concept that was inspired by high-end backpacks, hiking boots, and technical jackets.
1: A guy that was a photographer, he loved the idea of the moly straps on the seat back because he said he could put his camera inside and then he could connect his lenses with just the hooks.
0: But simply attaching straps to standard fabric on the back of the seat backs would never do
1: so the fabric that is behind the molly straps is actually a police grade fabric that we put in police vehicles
0: climb inside the Bronco Sport and you'll find a range of rugged features like a safari style roof and liftgate flood lamps for easier base camp setup learn more at ford.com/bronco from Outside Magazine and PRX this is the Outside podcast Hey everybody. Before we get started today, I want to tell you about a new series that's coming up very soon here on The Outside Podcast. Next week, we're launching The Wild Files, a collection of 10 episodes that will have remarkable athletes, explorers, scientists, and adventurers sharing stories about the moments they'll never forget and the journeys that change their lives. These are powerful tales, the kind that just might inspire you to make your own changes. So, get ready. But first, we have today's episode, which is about the life-altering experience of watching campy ski films. Seriously. The cult classic flicks from the 1980s and 90s, like Hot Dog and Ski School and Aspen Extreme, they got a lot of people in the mood to ski back then. at least in the mood to go to the mountains and party. But for some, these films, despite being so, so dumb, well, they had a really big impact. Consider the case of Patty O'Connell, a.k.a. Patty O, a big-boned child of the Midwest who fell so deeply under the spell of one particular film that he abandoned his roots and he headed for the Rockies so he could work crappy jobs and live his powder dreams. Today, Patty is going to open up about what happened to him and also investigate a critical question about mountain culture that has been overlooked until now. Did the ski film create the ski bum?
2: We called it the sneaky way. Take her right into the alley behind the building with those blue and yellow neon lights. Drive about one or two hundred yards, avoiding potholes. Flip a 180 at the end of the guardrail and park our 1990 Burgundy Toyota Camry in the Long John Silver's parking lot. It probably wasn't all that sneaky, but it felt like it to me at the time a knobby-kneed kid growing up in the shadow of Chicago. Taking the sneaky way meant that we dodge all the traffic, and once we'd completed our mission, my father and I could make a quick and clean getaway, get home to my siblings with a bag of goodies that'd entertain us all weekend long. What was our mission, you ask? Renting movies from Blockbuster. And there was one movie in particular that I loved more than all the rest, one movie that I rented more times than I can remember
3: the makers of Police Academy, come Ski Patrol.
2: Oh my God, it is so good. It goes over the edge. Ski Patrol the movie is not what cinephiles would describe as a good film. They may even call it a very poorly made film, rife with plot holes and enough cheesiness to make the entire state of Wisconsin blush. But none of that mattered to me when I was a kid, and it still doesn't matter. If you don't know the film, here's a quick rundown. A group of lovable and outrageous ski patrollers led by the handsome, affable, and responsibility-shirking Jerry Kramer have to ensure Snowy Peaks passes a safety inspection and stays open so that Pops, the silverback ski bum founder of Snowy Peaks, remains the owner. But a group of overly groomed, feather hairdo-having ski schoolers and their greedy corporate developer cohort are out to rig the safety inspection and turn Snowy Peaks into a soulless mega-resort. And the hilarity and mountain hijinks ensues. When I was seven years old, the plot, the characters, the jokes, the skiing, everything about the flick captured me. What is strange to me, though, is I did not grow up skiing. My family didn't ski, my friends didn't ski, I knew exactly zero about skiing. Which means that Ski Patrol the movie completely disrupted my life's trajectory and set it on a collision course towards ski bummery. The flick stoked the flame of my already outlandish adolescent, hey look at me, humor, which some would say, continues today. And once I finally clicked into skis at 23 years old, blammo, it was like magic. I dropped everything, every aspect of a normal adulthood modeled by friends and family in the Midwest, and I moved to Colorado. I became a ski bum, which meant I became okay with paying too much money to rent a room in a falling down house and eating a diet consisting of ramen, Zatarans, and kielbasa. I made snow, I delivered pizza at night, I bounced, I backed, I bartended, I even sold fancy lady underwear in a fancy lady boutique. I worked jobs doing anything and everything in order to ski seven days a week, in order to live life like I was a character in the film. I eventually even joined the famed Telluride Ski Patrol. Today, I live in a small mountain town. I am, and will always be, a ski bum. But my story is not unique. In fact, I believe that an entire generation of skiers were inspired by these campy ski films of the 1980s and 90s. Think about it. We ski in neon onesies. We throw spreddies and twisters and daffies. If we see a mustache dude rocking a lightning bolt mullet slamming bumps on straight 215s, we scream in joy. We revere everything about the skiing, the goofiness, the eye-rolling cheese, all the awesomeness of the 1980s and 90s ski films, from Ski Patrol to Hot Dog to Aspen Extreme. They are the reason we all set out for a life in the mountains, which is equal parts inspiring and dumbfounding. How and why did these terrible, awesome, awful, beautiful films change my life and change all of our lives? To find out, I spoke with two experts. One is an expert on me, and the other an expert on classic ski flicks.
3: My name is Kitty O'Connell. I am Patty O'Connell's younger and uh, smarter, better-looking sister. (laughs) This is fun. Thanks for having me.
2: This is going terribly. (laughs) Um, Okay, what do movies mean? And movie watching. What does it mean to our family?
3: Yeah, movies were a big, we're a big storytelling family. You know, we want like the good people to win. We want to see the vindication. Like right. both of our parents are lawyers. I feel like it's very like good versus evil. And so I feel like this really camaraderie brought us together. Right. Um. And probably for our parents who raised four children um, who at a time were under the age of eight, like, it was also a good way just to be like, okay, let me take a breath as an as a parent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do you remember going to Blockbuster on Friday nights with Dad when we were kids?
3: I do remember. I remember, first and foremost, uh, my, our father's strong brow. Um, I would say... <laughs> um firmly saying committing us to uh the number of movies that we could uh that we were allowed to get that weekend we couldn't have movies with bad parts bad parts defined as sexuality (laughs) Um, and not too much violence right because we were also like seven years old
2: what film did you always rent
3: I'd say there are a couple different themes here, right, of, like, buckets of flavor. I'd say first and foremost flavor would be uh the American and Ashley flavor. The second flavor, I was going to say, was probably Clue. Yes.
2: Yes, <laughs> it is. 100%. And, okay, so... What film did I always rent?
3: You always rented, beyond just like a Ninja Turtle moment, I'd say number one was usually Ski Patrol. Ski Patrol. They've got 24 hours to save Snowy Peaks.
4: So do it!
2: Do you think it's odd that I rented that basically as many times as I possibly could? I mean, maybe I'm rewriting history, but I feel like I rented it every single weekend when I was... A child. And do you think it's odd that I was so in love with Ski Patrol, the movie as a kid, and we did not grow up skiing?
3: I think the biggest thing for you was the aesthetics. <laughs> because I feel like this, like, 80s rad dad moment is still something that you, like, loved so dear to your heart. I mean, the movie is pretty, like, it's just... It looks like, you know, a, like, say by the Bell and, ski like, skiing in the 80s, like, threw up on one another.
2: Which, honestly, like, I hope that... People understand, like, that's actually a beautiful description. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any more of this crap. Ah! I'm going to close this mountain down.
3: If you look at the, at the movie, like, now, right, if you watch it, you're just like, oh my gosh, like, all of this is so emblematic of, like, that time in terms of, like, you know, the highlighter jackets, the, like glasses the like hot pink different flavors and I think being able to be creative with um how you present yourself to the world is something very like near and dear to your heart so I think it's one that's just like oh very like attractive uh lots of color explosion that you're attracted to I think the other thing is that it's very it's about people being like free spirits which I think like all jokes aside, you very much, uh, you know, love to kind of, like, find your own way, find your path, um, you know, take what you know and use that to your advantage, but do it in a way that is unique to you, which I think Ski Patrol is, uh, you know, it's really about that kind of lifestyle,
2: kitty that was like so nice thank
3: you (laughs) oh my god Penny, i do love you actually
2: (laughs) i think ski patrol amplified and spotlighted things i loved as a kid over-the-top goofiness and humor an underdog story right from wrong good versus evil sporty action and a little sweet romance I still love stories like that today, and Kitty helped me see the link between loving those kinds of stories and trying to create it in my own life.
3: As kids, like, we're very, we're sponges, right? And so, like, I think that, um, you know, you weren't going to, well, maybe you could have found, like, a spa- or a pirate ship with a bunch of treasure on it, like a la Goonies, but I think the more <laughs> realistic route was, like... <laughs> Right, it definitely was one of those things where, and we watched it so much that it was kind of like going back to our mom, which is like what you envision is what you create. You envisioned Ski Patrol because we rented it so many times from Blockbuster, and then you went out and you created it.
2: <laughs> I, I'm, but like, why didn't that happen to you? You rented Clue just as much <laughs> as I rented Ski Patrol, and you have yet to solve any murders at a mansion <laughs> or. Murder anyone at a mansion for that matter. So, like,
3: true, but you could argue that I love helping people solve their problems. Okay. And so doing that uh, in a diff- different way. You know, it's like loose work with me here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, that's a that's a loose that's a loose. Watch in a week, you're gonna be like in handcuffs, and you're gonna be like, it wasn't me. It was Colonel <laughs> yeah. Mustard with the with the <laughs> candlestick. It wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, you did just recently rewatch Ski Patrol. Like, was it as great as you remember? Was it even better?
3: If you like watch back at some of the movies in the eighties, like. You know, even the children, like, the childhood movies are, like, pretty kind of touch-and-go <laughs> in some some spots. I
2: mean, yeah, if you're talking about, like, the <laughs> insane amount of, like, sexism, homophobia, racist stereotypes, like, like even just, like, what, did they sneak nudity into a kid's film? Right. You know, like, they're all there.
3: Exactly. Um. So I'd say things were a little, as, as I called it, you know, touch-and-go. There are, like, moments where I'm, like okay, this is amazing, like, the aesthetic of, like, this 80s, like, early 90s, like, highlighter outfits, like, I want all the ski apparel, like, this is amazing, this is, like, what I am here for, and there's, like, moments throughout the movie, right, like, that you remember these, like, key scenes that I feel like as a child just imprint in your head, you're like, oh my god, yes, this scene, but yes, overall, you know, I think it could have. It is what it is, right? It's a campy film, and I'll enjoy it for what it is. But it definitely, like through the twenty twenty one lens, is a is a different and and like as an adult, is a different different beast. Here is what I will say: one other impressive moment that I did forget about is that when Jerry Creamer, um, like he's running to get his love and save her um which again doesn't age well but here we are he jumps and cl- clips into his bindings to then go and i remember being like wow that's a real skill <laughs> and till still to this day like it is that is very impressive
2: do you know who can do that i can do that <laughs>
3: It's like your one, it's fine. It's like your one athleticism that like we'll give you, even though, you know, overall, we know Sean is like the most athletic one in the family. It's fine.
2: Absolutely false. No,
3: Patty. You Even I remember you said. This
2: is where the interview is ending. Sean O'Connell is not more athletic than me. I think what Kitty says about Ski Patrol is true. The outfits and the humor are great, and that underlying free spirit vibe really hooked me as a kid. But there was something deeper than the neon hypercolor jackets and the devil-may-care attitude of the 80s and 90s ski films that grabbed me, and grabbed the hearts and imaginations of so many other ski bums in waiting. After the break, a ski flick expert digs into the emotional gooey center of these films.
0: At the top of the episode, we heard from Ford Motor Company designer Carrie Kennerly about the interior of the 2021 all-new Bronco Sport. As Carrie explains it, the design team made sure that every inch of the vehicle is crafted to inspire adventure.
1: I am a mom and I have kids. We will go camping and we'll go bike riding and I've gone fishing. And I want my vehicle to withstand to that
0: Meaning tough and rugged.
1: Tough and rugged. This is the first vehicle that I've worked on that has had such aggressive rubber mats that are on the floor of the cargo area, but then they're also there on the on the seat back. I mean, it's, it's great putting lumber or whatever. You don't have to worry about it. It's ready for it.
0: The cargo area comfortably fits two 27.5-inch wheel mountain bikes. Then there's the available storage under the second row seats, which is ready to haul wet or muddy gear, or... Maybe a few surprises.
1: You, yeah, you could put wet boots in there. I mean, if, if you have kids and things they find and want to bring home, things they collect, and you're like, okay, I guess we can take that with us, you don't really have to worry about it in a Bronco sport. You can find a place to, to keep it. <laughs> it's not going to trash up and stink up the rest of your vehicle.
0: <laughs> Learn more about how you can outfit the new Bronco sport to fit your adventurous lifestyle at Ford.com slash Bronco.
2: Frederick Rymer's might love ski flicks more than I do. If you've read an issue of Outside Magazine or visited Outside Online in the last two decades, chances are you've read one or two or 57 bajillion articles written by Reimers. He's a longtime outside contributor and a longtime Jackson Hole ski bum. In 2016, Reimers wrote the unofficial oral history of Hot Dog the Movie, which is one of the most ridiculous ski films ever made.
4: By day, they're the finest hot-dogging, freestyle skiers in the world.
2: And, as it would happen, the most financially successful of all
4: time. By night,
0: they really take chances.
2: Which Rymers believes is due to three things, the film's plot, how well it tapped into ski culture and the badass ski.
4: It's a motion picture comedy that's proud to go downhill fast. So Hot Dog is the story of a young man from the Midwest who has big ski dreams. And he leaves the Midwest hitchhiking to California. He gets to the mountain, joins kind of a motley crew of Cracker Jack ski bums, who happens to have sort of an arch nemesis gang of kind of uh, hoity-toity European, vaguely European, evil skiers. And they, with his ragtag bunch, they join forces and defeat the uh, evil hoity-toity skiers.
2: What's funny about that is that I know that's for the plot of Hot Dog, but it's also the plot of pretty much every great like 80s early 90s ski film ever it's like exactly it's like underdog story against rich guy or like you know uh elitist ski schoolers or land developer guy exactly you know and hilarity
4: ensues exactly but it's 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 really a much older format than just the ski movies i mean it's really kind of the the theme of of the great 80s movies that um you know, young men would watch or, you know, teenage boys would watch. Right. And it, yeah. I trace it back to Animal House, frankly. Yeah. Starts with Animal House, goes through Revenge of the Nerds. And even maybe I guess you could sort of say that it's Apex is probably the Karate Kid. I also do see it as Hot Dog um, is sort of the, the you know, the, the founding member, if you will, of this sort of genre of the, the ski romp genre. Describe the ski action scenes in Hot Dog. Like, is it good skiing, in your opinion? Yeah, it's really good skiing. Surprisingly, you know, for such a goofy movie, most of the sort of filler skiing is quite good. It's interesting because I think the other thing that threads all of these stories together is the stunt coordinator, is a guy named Robbie Huntoon. And he got his start. He's the main, he's kind of Harkin Banks' stunt double. He was on the um, professional freestyle tour, you know, which was kind of a small tour at that time pre-Olympics. And so it just so happened he lived in in um, Squaw Valley and, and recruited all his friends to be the stunt skiers and did so well at it that he ended up going on to be the stunt coordinator for Better Off Dead and I think Ski Patrol and uh, I don't think he was involved in Aspen Extreme, but he, uh, you know, it launched his career and he, I think he, his biggest uh, thing was that he did stunts for uh, Back to the Future eventually. So essentially these were, these were the best skiers of the day and, and they just sort of barely predated, the one guy who was in that roster who wasn't in Hot Dog was Scott Schmidt. And he ends up kind of being arguably the most famous skier of, you know, of, you know, of that early 80s generation. He almost sort of single-handedly invented a ski style that's featured in, in, in all these movies. And I think he got it from sort of that Robbie Huntoon generation, the, the generation ahead of him. And that's why, like, just to circle back, hot dog skiing is quite good. You know, it's a style that we would never use today because they're using 70 mil, 77 millimeter skis and they're just jumping out of the snow on every turn. But it is, it was state-of-the-art at the time. Do you love this movie? Do you love Hot Dog, the movie? Uh, I, I loved it at the time. It certainly meant a lot to me. I love the spirit of it. It's a tough movie to watch now. It's a tough movie to watch now. Just from a, uh, a standpoint of, you know, there's a ton of racism, a ton of sexism. So that stuff just hasn't aged well. From a social perspective, they're really hard to watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or a moral perspective. <laughs> Morally tough to watch. What I, I guess what I, I prefer to just sort of remember the best scenes and frame those in my mind. <laughs> so it's almost easier to watch in my memory than it is on screen.
2: I mean, they're like waving the flag of like the worst parts of American culture from.
4: The 80s and early 90s. That's right, And especially with hot dog. It, that that wasn't lost on the contemporary audiences either. A lot of the reviewers um, really panned the movie. Do you still love the genre? I I do. I think it, it's a great reminder of of just to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, these days we lose that. That is lost. You know, it's tough to just have fun anymore without. Feeling a little guilty, I think skiing. I live in Jackson Hole, which is which is not a place that embraces silliness. It just doesn't. You know, there was a line I watched Aspen Extreme over the weekend, and and uh, Dexter Ritecki says, you know, he's being abraded re- re- by the ski school director, and he says, "Dude, we're just teaching people to slide downhill on sticks." <laughs> <laughs> True. Yes, it's so absolutely. true and you just got to remember that this is supposed to be fun and i think that's what hot dog did really well is just by you know literally setting up the the conflict between those who are having fun and those who are taking it all too seriously it really cuts to the core of what skiing should be about in my mind it should be about having fun sure it's beautiful but it, it really shouldn't be a, a way of it shouldn't be something that people's egos are measured by
2: Hollywood really isn't making like the 1980s, early 90s ski films anymore. But even if ski films today are all, you know, only about that kind of like gnarlier than thou skiing rather than that kind of over the top, over the top kind of campy slapstick. Hollywood comedy Our ski community really still celebrates the ridiculous souls of these films.
4: Why? Why do we love them so? The reason is, I think, because they inspired people to change their lives. I grew up in Mississippi. I, you know, I would go to the, blo- you know, I'd go to Blockbuster or or whatever I was going to in the '80s, and I would pick up something like Ski Patrol or Hot Dog. Or um, better off dead, and and I would watch it, and I would think there has got to be better something better than living here in this flat hot south, and I yearned for mountains, you know, and I yearned for a culture that prized fun above all, um, and just being in these in the mountains. Almost everyone I know here in in Jackson Hole who moved here moved here because they were attracted to that kind of. Lifestyle, just that sort of spirit of hijinks, the spirit of fun—that's inspiring. When, when you're kind of a kid who's trapped in a suburb that feels really dead end or homogenous, and I think that's why these movies all also will revolve around the kind of snobs versus slobs trope, is because you know that's who you're trying to hook—is the people who are stuck at home on a Friday night, you know, without a date or whatever. And you want to go out and you want to connect with people who are like-minded. And that's what these ski towns represent, I think, is a, is a confluence of like-minded people. But again, I, I think skiers um, are a, a sort of self-selected group. And, you know, it's a community that's been deliberately formed around an activity. And any sort of mythology that supports that is also going to be well-received. Because again, you know, all these movies are about, for the most part, people traveling to find a community that resonates with them. And once they've found it, um, they feel at home. I mean, that's the whole message of Aspen Extreme, one way or the other. TJ travels with his buddy to, to Aspen, to, away from a place that doesn't feel like home to him and finds home. And so any of, the, any of our common myths Um, are going to be really, going to be really valuable to anyone who participates in that same process.
2: Inside Blockbuster, on those Friday nights from my childhood, after my dad and I tried to snag a new release as coveted as, say, Jurassic Park or The Fugitive, we'd walk the stacks of classics. My pop would tell me about where and when he first watched Ben-Hur or The Great Escape or Escape from Alcatraz. He'd set the scene of his first viewing, explain why the film mattered so much to him, like cinematic scrapbooking. It was less about what the plot was and more about how the film made him feel. It was clear that the feeling was why he kept going back to the classic. To rewatch was to refeel. I think that's why we ski bums love our ski flicks, these terrible and terribly awesome films of ours have an emotional jetpack attached to them. That rocket is fueled by neon and over the top campy humor and sliding around on sticks for the sole purpose of finding the biggest grin ever. That's what Ski Patrol the movie showed me when I was a kid. And once I moved to the mountains in my 20s, I found an entire community that was after that too. Skiers don't take much seriously. Except our dedication to and search of soul vibrating goofy fun. These ski flicks celebrate that and have helped us all tap into the frivolous pursuit of something so important. Do you think that these wonderful oddball ski films from the 1980s and early 90s have ruined our lives for the very best?
4: (laughs) I do think so. I do think so.
0: That was Paddy O'Connell, a.k.a. Paddy O, speaking with his younger and smarter sister, Kitty, and also outside contributor Frederick Rymers, who we usually call Rico around here. Paddy produced this episode, which was edited by me, Michael Roberts. Our music is by Robbie Carver. You can find Paddy online at paddyrock.com. That's P-A-D-D-Y-R-O-C dot com. If you want to read Rico's excellent oral history of Hot Dog the Movie, go to OutsideOnline.com and search Hot Dog the Movie. This episode was brought to you by the all-new Ford Bronco Sport, an adventure-ready 4x4 SUV with seven available goat modes that enable it to go over any type of terrain. Learn more about how you can outfit it to fit your lifestyle at Ford.com. We'll be back next week with the first episode of our new series, The Wild Files.